Hi, amigas. How are you guys? Doing good. How are you guys? A little cold. Yes, it's finally that time. Um, I'm pretty cold here, but I have my heater on. Yeah, same here. It's so gloomy today. It's like winter finally started. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so how are you guys feeling about the ending of this book? I loved it. I It's a book where I already feel that, um, like I'm getting some things that are I know are gonna help me in whatever I'm going through right now, but it's definitely a book I need to reread again, like in a couple months, because it's gonna help me for other stuff that I'm not going through and I'll probably be going through then. Definitely, yeah. I can agree to that. Um, I actually was thinking about rereading it maybe later on because it has so much information and so many tools and you can apply these in your personal life at work everything your marriage so I think it's another one that I would want to read after like downtime if we can catch a break yeah I like that she also adds a little bit of like um how to put it towards kids like with the marbles the jars and then at the end she also explains that as the shitty first draft, the stormy first draft. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like you wanna get everything on your first run, but it's true, like making sure that you write things down and that they really stick to you so you can apply them to your daily life, I think is something that um, would require like a second round of reading. So today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to start on page uh, 221 and then just take it all the way to the end of the book. Um, so we're starting with um, the section on trust, which I think is really valuable for all of us. Um, I think she went through some activities where I'm like, we should do this as a group, just in our own friendship and in um, Read Amigas in general, you know, because sometimes. Yeah. Know, things come up I agree I think it really it really hit me because I know that for me it's hard to trust outside of myself and I think I mean me and Navy are a little controlling Beto's a little more willing to let go and kind of trust our opinions yeah um, yeah that did that did really resonate with me let's start off with a it's not a quote but I highlighted on page 221 that really kind of just it's a good start to this chapter. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it says, we all want to believe that we are trustworthy, even though ironically, many of us struggle to trust others. Most people believe they're completely trustworthy, yet they trust only a handful of their colleagues. And it's like, ooh, so true. like I probably have just a handful of people that I trust, 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 trust. Yeah. Trust. And then and it's interesting because it's, what she's saying is that in order to trust others, we must be trustworthy, right? So how can we expect others to trust us if we can't trust others? Yeah. Right. That is so true. Yeah. So I think that goes back to kind of like some of that like need to control. Um, so this is this is the part where I thought, you know, and I think when picking a partner relationship wise and then trusting people at work or friendships or whatever it may, it may be. I had never seen trust this way, but it really makes sense as to 
why it's hard to trust others. On page 222 at the top, she says, um, in the thin book of trust, Feltman defines trust as choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable to another person's actions. So it's basically like, I'm going to take something that I find very valuable and I'm going to be vulnerable enough to let another person's actions like, like have a part in it. Yeah. Right? And so, highlighted like that next sentence. He oh, describes yeah. this trust as deciding that what is important to me is not safe with this person in this situation or any situation. So yeah. just exactly what you said, Jess, but that was like, that is so true. I mean, you start distrusting that whatever is important to you, they're not going to, it's not going to be important to them. So why even trust them with it? Yeah. And it's really shitty. Cause I know I've said this before and I, I, I mean, I don't think I'm the only one that believes it because I think I got it from one of our other books is, or just motivational speakers where they say, no one's going to value what you find important as much as you do. Right. And I'm now seeing that that's just like a lack of trust in others. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm going to take something that I really find important and I'm going to trust you with it. That's like, you're risking it right but then when you say I don't trust you with this one thing and I I've said it too where it's like well trust is like relative right like I might trust you with this but I don't trust you with that yeah and so it's interesting to hear her say like no if you're saying I don't trust you with this then you're saying I don't trust you with anything mm -hmm. so what I highlighted on that page was after your guys's sentences to me this was like the easiest most simple no trust, no connection, period. Mm. Like that will just tell me if we have a connection, depending on how well our relationship connection, that's how I relate it to, depend, that's how much I'll trust you. Right. So again, like we could be cool, but if it's, it doesn't go past the bigger connection, then I, it just depends on how much I trust you. So, yeah. And we're huge on relationships and, and building that. So it, it, it goes along with building our trust with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's interesting, right? Because it's like, well, if you're saying I don't trust you, then do we really have a connection? It's like, no, right? Um, so that was that. really- Some what? people don't do that. Or they don't like, like, I, I know people that they have all these relationships and they know people, but they trust nobody, like regardless. And I think that goes back into something more that she talks in, later on in the book about like their self experiences yeah. and their ego. And it goes into on and on about why there's other barriers and boundaries stopping people from trusting others. Mm -hmm. And it's not, not even other people, it's really like within yourself, the issues you have. Right. Yeah. And so she talks about, um, uh, let's look at the seven elements. So she talks about seven elements in which you can really um, check your braving inventory which is um, a tool or guide to use with colleagues um, that walk us through conversations and places, curiosity, learning, ultimate trust building. So to build this trust, she outlined seven, um, seven things that we need in order to be able to establish these trusts. And this will be at the bottom of page 225 for anybody that wants to look at it. Yeah, so she says, so what we need is boundaries. You respect my boundaries, and when you're not clear about what's okay or not okay, you ask. You're willing to say no. 
So it's really interesting because I tell parents a lot when I'm working with children that if you do not set the right boundaries for children, they will not trust you, right? And it can be like, if you tell your child, you know what, if you do this, I'm not going to take you to the store. If you break and you take them to the store, if you break your own boundary, you're telling that child they can't trust you, which is, I've heard a little girl call her mom out on this, <laughs> but boundaries are really important to trust, right? Like if you respect your own boundaries and if other people respect their boundaries, then I'm more likely to trust that person, right? Yeah. Um, reliability, you do what you say you'll do. Accountability, you own your mistakes and apologize. Both, this one was really like, I was like, I agree, right? Um, both. You don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share, right? So yeah, like, that is a, meet, especially at work. Yeah, when we meet people that come and they cuentan todo el chisme, you're just like, um, okay, how much can I tell this person, you know? Yeah. And I share a lot of like little things with people, but if you share something with me that's important, like I don't share that. Mm -hmm. Integrity, you choose courage over comfort. So those were really good. Um, being non-judgmental, uh, I can ask for what I need and you can ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. that, one was, that one was interesting when she goes into it, when she unpacks that one, because I thought it was interesting how sometimes I think like we fall behind on work or certain things like that. And she says that your boss will trust you more if you let them know like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah, that was important too. I struggle with that one, but I could see how if someone told me they're struggling, that it'd be easier for me to trust them. Yeah. Um, generosity, you send the most generous uh, interpret, the most what? Generous interpretation, possible yeah. to the intentions, words and actions of others. Yeah. So for me, those are the ones that really stood out. Um, being non-judgmental because I guess I don't know why but I just let things sometimes slide instead of asking for help before I drown and it's interesting to see that if you're not if you're not voicing that then people struggle to trust you yeah so I think one thing that I've been um trying to work on is is like you know being non-judgmental is and asking for help and being okay with it it's like thinking about okay if somebody were to come and tell me that they're having a hard time with it and they want my help then why wouldn't I be okay on saying that I need the help as well so yeah. if I'm going to be okay trying to help others and I want them to come to me for that then why shouldn't I be okay to go to others for that as well yeah mm -hmm. and I think I mean I think for some of these like generosity boundaries I think we're pretty good at this as a group yeah there's a good balance Mm -hmm. And then she talks about putting this bravery to test and into practice. So that's kind of some of the stuff that I really wish I can go back and read again, like the putting into practice part. Yeah. For each one? Yeah. Or maybe at least the ones that I struggle with. On page 227, they talk about an integrity partner. Do you guys have that at work? Um, I think I do, yeah. I used to. 
Yeah. Well, no, actually, I still do. I, and there's somebody else still that I can. So yeah, I'm pretty lucky on that. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I don't think I do. I don't think I do. Which is like, you or you kind of have like the certain people for certain things. Yeah, like everyone is. I don't feel like I could be able to present somebody in my work and say, "Hey, what do you think of doing check it or something?" Yeah, I think. Um, I think for that one, it would be like because I know my struggles, right, are like organization and admin stuff. So I do have like coworkers. You guys know that about me. That I can be like you guys. Did I get it right? That I, you know, yeah, what I, mean? I use, Yeah, I think I use that mostly for like my shortcomings. I'm very honest about what I struggle with in that sense. I think sometimes what's harder is like going to like higher ups or colleagues that are like above you where you can do that I think I'd be interested in having some or I'd like to have something like that you know yeah actually like now that I think about it um you know it says like you, you'll even do role-playing conversations or anything like that um practice together on a daily basis and with my boss actually it is pretty open like that with him where we will tell him you know this type of customer is like this type of personality I just don't know how to deal with him and he'll be like okay well let's role play and we actually do a lot of role playing at work with him which is actually pretty fun and um, anytime we're sending out a proposal or anything that's like a tough email to fix a situation or an issue that we're having I mean it's very open where I always send my drafts to him and I'm like what do you think did I word it right and he'll help me through it so actually that's something that's very open with him and I think everybody can go to him. Yeah, and I had my my old supervisor was like that. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, for me, what else stood out? Um, on page two thirty three. Um, one thing that I know that for me is a big. I don't know if it's like. Well, I think it goes back to like authenticity, which is one of my values, but it says, I focus on integrity, on matching actions to words. And I think when people talk, but it doesn't match their actions, it's really hard for me to trust them. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It brought up the, I don't know if you guys caught it, the marble jar. And remember they mentioned that at the beginning of the book? Yeah. So... I need to like put this somewhere up in my room and like remember do marble jars because I feel like I'm the type that would benefit a lot and with the new year coming around and just really like being aware of like where I'm pouring and who's pouring into me and, and setting up the boundaries and I'm like wow like I've been I've been giving away my marbles yeah any. I think did that did that kind of click with you when you started your business that and um honestly i feel like for me covid brought me closer to my loved ones and then i realized who were my loved ones and close ones and who were really you know like 
this is how I see if you didn't talk to anybody and during COVID nobody reached out to you then that shows you a lot pretty much because yeah. I feel like oh, COVID is a type of impact I'm not saying like hang out or whatever but uh, how are you doing and how's everything or how are you handling the situation mm-hmm. that's like a wake-up call and and yeah I just and I got closer to a, a lot of people but I feel like I was giving away a lot of marbles yeah, yeah that's that totally yeah that's so true um, and then what did you guys think about um basic self-trust and a lot of times I feel like this goes back to like have you guys do you guys remember the quote like um you can't love someone until you learn to love yourself oh yeah I think that was like a quote somewhere right um my Angelo or I don't know but I mean I use it all the time and hear it like, all the don't, time don't tell me I love you when you don't love yourself mm-hmm. yeah and it's like you know when you go through the steps it's like do I keep my own boundaries am I reliable to myself am I accountable to myself do you guys remember how we were talking I well, I don't even know which book we were reading where we were all like okay it's so easy for us to keep our word with other people but not not, not ourselves probably on the subtle art which book was it probably the subtle art I'm not giving a fuck I kind of think it was girl walk your face which one? Girl, wash your face? No, I think it was girl, wash your face. Mm-hmm. Where she was like, we're so easy to like keep our promises to others. Yeah, girl, wash your face. Oh, yeah. Rachel Hollis. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, the point is she, you know, she brings it up in here. Like if we look at self-trust, like, yeah, like, do I keep my boundaries? Like if after I say them, am I the one breaking them or are other people breaking them, you know? Yeah. And if I'm the one breaking them, then can I really trust myself? Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool because after that, on the basics of self-trust, um, it starts with the seven elements again, but it's all for yourself, all questions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Am yeah. I my boundaries? Could I count on myself? Did I hold myself accountable? Did I honor the vault? And did I share something I wasn't supposed to? I, I, that's like really cool to do a self-check checklist you know if you're sticking to it or not yeah those were all pretty good and again super important yeah and again on 235 I like that she does tell you like um if you need to improve some of these for yourself this is how you do it uh, it says trust is built in small moments. If you struggle with reliability, make small doable promises to yourself that are easy to fulfill until you get a flywheel of reliability going again. So it's like she tells you again how you can work on it, how you can work on trusting yourself again. Mm-hmm. So I um, highlighted something. So it's it is page two thirty five. I think it's close. If you struggle with boundaries, set small ones with your partner, like you will not be responsible for both cooking and cleaning up after dinner until you are adept at putting boundaries into action in a more meaningful way. That's how you fill your own marble jar. And never forget, we can't give people what we don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a very good, strong one. I didn't highlight that, but I'm going to be highlighting that yeah 
a good one. And she goes over, I think this one has come up a lot in like all of our readings. I know Michelle talked about it. I know um, Lean In, uh, Cheryl, 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 right? She talked about it, that I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, she talks about, she gave an example about someone at a job that hadn't finished his PhD and didn't feel good enough, you know? Um, and so I think sometimes when we don't trust ourselves, that's kind of where our brain goes, right? Yeah. Automatically. Mm -hmm. At the end of page 238 is that quote by Maya Angelou. I don't trust people who love who don't love themselves and tell me I love you. Yeah. True story. And there's an African saying which is be careful when a naked person offers you a shirt. You're welcome. All right. And then so the next section. Part four. When when we have the courage to walk into our own story and own it, we get to write the ending. And when we don't own our stories of failures, setbacks, and hurt, they own us. Yeah, this was a really interesting one. I really like this one. I this one is this one is one that I was telling you guys that this is this is the main component of a uh, certain intervention that I do with my clients. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of notes and highlights here. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. She talks about how um, how half of the population of millennials, we gave very little resilience or any obstacles, and the other half had too many. And it was interesting because I'm like, that's why we have all these like protests and everything going on right now yeah mm -hmm. and then this one was cool too we had to teach people how to land before they jump and that's kind of like you know as parents I think we try to tell our children like if you do this this these are the negative consequences but outside of our parents and things like that no one teaches us things like that right like we're at a new job and no one tells us what what certain falls would look like you know yeah I mean, I, I highlighted one that says, we expect to be brave. That means that you should expect to fall. We've got a plan. So it's almost like saying like, it's okay. You're going to fail and, and go and fail. It's going to happen. You need to, but let's find a solution on how to come back again. Yeah. Because then when she talks about the people that haven't failed or haven't learned that they will fail, uh -huh. and I, I kind of, kind of um, the idea of everyone gets a trophy, right? Where like kids play a sport, but it's not just the winner. That Sorry. So then we're kind of like not teaching people that they can fail or they might fall, mm -hmm. right? And then when they go out into the real world and have to face all these obstacles, it's really hard for them. Yeah. There is a lot here that I can, um, I felt that I can use it towards the kids. So, you know, I was telling you guys, because she uses this whole story about the ham folded. Oh, yeah. The thing that I want to leave everyone with is that um, 
a lot of times when we fail, it's not because we actually failed or because other people think we're failures. It's mostly the stories that we're telling ourselves, right? Yeah, she has, um, what is that called? The process that she said that you start asking yourself, like what you're making up in your head, right? Um, which yeah, draft, right? Huh? The SFD? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's super interesting because what she says is we all do it, right? We all come up with these stories and this is probably the bulk of what I teach people is that, you know, unless someone has told you straight out, you are a failure, you can't assume that's what they believe about you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like if I could, like, if I had a dollar for every time someone said the words, well, you know what they're thinking, they're thinking this, 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 and this. And I'm just like, when was the last time you were in someone's brain? Yeah well, you know why they probably did this? Because this, 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 and this. And I'm like, but you don't know that, right? But there's just so many stories that we come up with in our own head. And it's because our brain always wants answers. It works that way, automatically. Yeah. We can't that off. And I hear it all the time. And the reality is, is that going through the process of falling and really analyzing what you feel and what you're actually feeling and thinking of yourself, mm -hmm. right? You're, before doing the rough draft of the story you're making up. Right. And I think it's really cool the way she says, and uh, you know, for anyone in a relationship, I always say like, it's really hard for your partner to know what you're thinking. So just like the story that she mentioned in the book with her husband, when he gets home and he's complaining about how there's no ham, or there's no dinner and so she goes off saying like oh are you complaining that I didn't make dinner and and realistically when she talks to him about it it's just stories that she's making up in her own head because it was not like it and not related to what he was trying to say right mm -hmm. yeah and I think that that's why this is the most important thing because we do it everywhere like yeah. even she put the steps that we do and you start off with the story that you start telling yourself, the story I make up and I make up that and whatever, that's whatever comes out. So it's a whole little process that it just starts working in your head. What am I making up? What am I going to say? And then you finally say it. And it's really interesting because every time I hear things like this, I'm always like, who told you this? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> Like when everyone has a story of like, well, I'm pretty sure that this person told them this and that's why they're being this way. Or I'm pretty sure that, you know, the reality is, is that they're jealous of so-and-so and that's why they're acting that way. And I'm like, and I always tell my patients, you know, or, or my clients when they're like, yeah, they didn't say hi to me, which means, you know, they're acting all weird with me. And I was like, what if they had to fart and they were really trying to get to the restroom, you know? Because at the end, when she asked him, so what was that grunt about? And he's like, I'm hungry. I was like, exactly. Like, yeah, and, and he's just like, why would I yell at you? I'm the one that goes grocery shopping. I know that I haven't bought any. Yeah, and it's like, I'm mad at me because I'm hungry. Like, yeah. and it's true. Like, and I tell people, like, you have nothing. just put it in his head and played it out like, damn, I'm going to get home and make this bomb sandwich. So he was just so pissed that it's like, damn, there's no ham. Yeah. yeah, and I think the main, 
the main thing that we need to remember is that when we make up these stories or we have this pain, but we don't really feel the pain and process it, the way we actually offload our pain is kind of hard. You know, we start yelling at our kids. Um, we go to work. We get mad at people at work. Um, she talks about numbing again, how hurt people will just go numb. Um, but sooner or later, it all, you know, piles up. Bouncing her, you start blaming others. You start telling others that they're the problem instead of really looking at yourself. Um, stockpiling. The one that, I, which one did I highlight? Maybe it's that one. So stockpiling is, is you know, one of my jobs where I work. That's the reason I'm employed is because I work at a primary yes, care setting. A little bit. And I hurts Sorry, can you guys hear me? Um, okay, you're better, I think. You're back. We lost you. Repeat what you just said. So I was saying the stockpiling hurt on page 254. If anything you guys take from this, remember this. Like, if you do not process your pain, you know, one of my jobs, I work at a primary care setting, and patients will come in and it's like, my back hurts, my head hurts, my stomach hurts. I feel horrible. I think I have stones. I have pain in my throat and the doctors do so many tests and what people don't realize is the more you pile those emotions by your 30s and you know your 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 40s and I see even in children you know that bottle up all, all their feelings their body will show us wow. it's really sad like there's no they're know, already sick of anything yeah, or they get really sick because they've been piling all their emotions. You know, people with anxiety will have a lot of GI tract issues and, you know, um, a lot of body pain. Like the pain is real. The only way to treat it is to actually process their emotions. So it's it's pretty amazing the way if you're not going to say it, your body will. Yeah, I remember, um, I think it was the beginning of this year, Jess, that I had reached out to you that it was just, um, I was just going through a hard time with my little niece. Um, every night, she would just start to cry and say that her stomach just hurt so much. I don't know, I think they went to the doctors or to the ER because it was at night ready to go to bed because she just couldn't handle the pain in her stomach and they didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And Jess was like, you know, she has anxiety, like, she just has anxiety, you know, help her do some meditation. And I sent these videos to my sister-in-law and I was like, just talk to her and, you know, just reassure her, do some activities and meditations at night. And yeah, little by little, it just went away. There was no pain. And people, like my mom was like, dale este té y una sobada and then do these pills. And then while she's eating this, don't have her eat that. Like they changed her diet. I don't know how many times, like poor little girl, but I mean, it made sense. There was so much like whatever she was going through, it was just some anxiety or something, you know, that it was just her not letting it out. Yeah. And then she talked about Umbridge. If you guys ever watched Harry Potter, that one's, you know, someone that tries to, to show off their life as perfectly pretty and pink but they're really just hurting inside and hurt others right mm -hmm. and we've all heard hurt people hurt people yeah. yeah or have you guys done the in for four hold for four and out for four and hold for four 
Yes. I do that with all my clients. I practice that a lot. It really helps. Mm -hmm. The box breathing. So yeah, so I think a lot of this stood out to me because it's what I work with, it's what I do. Yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, tools and practice, like exercises to do. Um, yeah, and I, so if you guys look at the over-functioning and under-functioning. Oh, yeah. Those anxiety people. Uh-huh. So perfect. Yeah, I highlighted a lot there. I'm describing the over-functioners and the under-functioners. Yeah. And that's why some people will have anxiety and they're really perfect people. And then some people will have anxiety and they're a mess. Mm -hmm. And people will be like, what do you mean they're anxious? They're not worried about anything. Look at their life. And I'm like, no, because they're under-functioning. <laughs> yeah, it's, I really never thought there was, you know, in both sides, but it makes sense. Yeah. I like that after all the, you know, anxiety of being in, in under-functioning and over-functioning, in the bottom paragraph on page 257, it like, it she gives you all the problems that these people can have, right? And then at the bottom it says, the good news, calm is equally contagious. It's like, yeah, I, I have been in people out, but the same thing is if you stay calm, the other people will stay calm as well. Yeah, so when you have one person panicking and the other person jumps right in and joins them, oh, it's a perfect shit show. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, this last paragraph was, I mean, chapter was so good. There was just so much to try and do exercises with, you know, different people, work, home. Yeah, and if anyone wants to take something away from this one on page 263, uh -huh. asking yourself these questions at the bottom after you make up the story, right? Like, I think this person's mad at me because of that. Da -da 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 -da. Like, mm -hmm. really ask yourself these questions and they really help. Um, the app would call the wreckage of shattered glass. Oh, yeah. It's like about three questions. It says, if you answer one and two, it means having the courage to address the conspiracies and confabulations, a word that she explains here later on. And answering the third question requires emotional literacy, being able to recognize and name emotions, the yeah. same skill required in empathy and self-compassion. So as a therapist, guys, okay. my recommendation is if you can answer one and two, but you really can't answer three and it's really consuming you, mm -hmm. talk to a therapist. Okay. Because that's kind of what we do. We do the third step. That's what we do with our clients. Mm -hmm. And so she says, um, I'm just going to skip over to 267. The three most dangerous stories we make up are the narratives that diminish our lovability, divinity, and creativity. The reality check around our lovability. Just because someone isn't willing or able to love us, it doesn't mean that we are unlovable. The reality check around divinity. No person is ordained or ju to judge or divinity or to write the story of our spiritual worthiness. The reality check around our creativity. Just because we didn't measure up to some standard of achievement doesn't mean that we don't possess gifts and talents that only we can bring to the world. I loved those. 
Mm-hmm. I've highlighted all that. Yeah. So again, I I think it really got me thinking. I'm excited for our next book. Um, so do you guys have any last things that you guys got from this? No, like I said, I, I this is definitely almost like like a Bible, something to always go back in, you know, every three or six months and help you out with whatever is going on then in your life. I'm sure it will help you or answer anything that you're going through at that time. Yeah. So the last thing I would say, let's do girls, is a joy and meaningless. She says how when you make a joy and meaningless, you realize that the success and things that you're fighting for sometimes don't measure up. Mm-hmm. Where where is that at, Jess? The last page. The last page. Okay. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that since um, Jess, we were looking forward to doing our vision. A vision board. board. Yeah, I thought about it too. I was like, we should do this, maybe. I'm like, we should totally do this because, again, I you know gratitude is something that I like to practice every day, and. It, I think it's kind of the same thing, right? You look at the things that bring joy to you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she had given a good um, example that, you know, they, her and her husband, they talk about what brings them joy. And it's like the exercise and date nights, um, healthy foods and family time. And then they get consumed with just like work and daily life. And she's like, wait a minute, we're like, we're not going, we're not staying with the things that we brings us joy. Like, why are we getting away from it? So they need to kind of, you know, retract. Yeah. So ladies, let's choose courage over comfort. Let's choose our hearts over armor and choose the great adventure of being brave and afraid at the exact same time. Amen. Amen. That's a wrap. Stay tuned for the next book. I'm super excited for a new year. 2020 is has really like maybe said like it's really let us see what's important right who are those people for us who do we want to be there for and really I think we realized what really matters right mm-hmm. um for god's sakes this pandemic taught us how important toilet paper was who would have ever thought that right? yeah <laughs> everyone worried about money all their life and then a pandemic happens and everyone's worried about toilet paper <laughs> it's like that's how basic the reality is our basic needs is really all we need you know yeah so i loved it um happy 2020 ladies happy 2020 we will be back with a new book starting the new year refreshed and starting all those new resolutions that everybody always makes so have a safe and happy holidays everybody Yes, happy holidays. Share, like, and subscribe. Um, Hit the little bell so that you know when we post new things. And, you know, just bring more amigas, bring more people, whoever wants to join. We start January again. Start thinking about new books. Yes. All right. Talk to you, girls. Bye, amigas. Bye. Be safe.